Amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with us to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2, we'll continue looking through Ephesians, preaching through it, and I want to continue that tonight. I do want to say or just acknowledge that today is September the 11th, and it's hard to believe this many years has passed since the World uh, Trade Centers and uh, the Pentagon was attacked, but it's been a lot of years now, and so time sure has flown by, and uh, as I'm reminded about it, um, I'm sure we won't, I won't delve too far into it this evening, but if I were to ask you, you could probably tell me, if you're old enough to remember it, you can probably tell me exactly where you were at when you got the news. And I, rem I can tell you exactly where I was at, and uh, I was uh, working undercover, uh, kind of security, catching shoplifters at a sporting goods store. And uh, first thing that morning we found out, and before we closed, there wasn't a piece of ammo or a gun left in the store. We were wiped out. Everybody panicked that day. And uh, it sure has been a long time. But what I mostly remember is that after that, our nation called for a time of prayer. Churches filled up. People gathered from community, those who had claimed to be Christian, who were out of church, kind of gathered back together in the church and uh, turned to God asking for God to have his hand of mercy upon our nation during that time. Fast forward a while later and we find that America is once again hit, this time with a pandemic, and instead of people flooding to the churches, unfortunately, we did the exact opposite. Instead, we shut our churches down. And our mentality, although our reasoning for that was different, the effects of it have also been the exact opposite. And I think of how temporary it was. We sang songs, wrote songs, and said that we would never forget. We promised we would never forget what happened on September the 11th. And yet the truth of the matter is, although as a whole America turned to God in the days and weeks following September the 11th, um, it didn't last long until we went back on our promises to God. And if the disaster of that day did not bring America to true repentance, to turn back to God, I'll be honest with you this evening, my heart breaks and I wonder what will it really take to get our attention what this nation needs, what America needs today is not even, although we never want to forget those who sacrificed on that day, but remembering the past is not going to heal our nation. What we need is to turn to Christ in our hearts. The church, God's people need to repent and turn to him. And so on this September the 11th, I, I want to remember those who sacrificed and those who rushed in to try to help others. And the truth of the matter is, as Christians, that should be what we are. We should be the first responders who are willing to rush in into the fire, into the destruction of this world to tell people that there is a way of hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. And so I just, I'll sing about that today with remembering 2011, uh, September, or September the 11th, I remember it, thinking about it, and thought, you know what? We need to turn back to Christ, and 
and our nation needs America, uh, America needs God more so today than ever. And it's not going to get any better until God's people return to him. The truth of the matter is our nation's in trouble this evening, but it's not, the problem's not in the White House. It's not in Washington, D.C., and it never has been. The problem isn't in our education system. The problem with America resides in the church, within the church. And the church has lost its way, and if the church can find its way back to uh, functioning and living for the cause of Christ, then God will take care of the rest. And so I know we like to gripe, and there are things in Washington, D.C., our government, I don't like, I don't agree with, but the truth is we can't be pointing our fingers there when we need to be pointing our fingers right here, examining our own hearts, and then God will uh, control the rest. Ephesians chapter 2, I want to begin reading down uh, in about verse number 11, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 11. The Bible says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who hath made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh, the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. That he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being Filled, uh, fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I want to preach on this thought of, in Christ alone, our hope is found. In Christ alone. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we recognize that you alone are our hope. Lord, you're the hope of us as individual believers. Lord, we have no hope in this life or the life to come apart from Jesus Christ. Lord, we recognize that you are the hope of our homes. Lord, and without you, Lord, our marriages, our families, our children, our grandchildren, Lord, we're in trouble without you. You are our hope. Lord, tonight we recognize that you are the hope of our nation. Lord, a nation that once was built upon the, the thought and the, and the premise, Lord, that we would have a nation, that we would have freedom to liberally worship and serve you. And Lord, yet we recognize that in the day and hour that we live, 
Lord, that it's becoming less and less acceptable to worship and believe what you have taught us. Lord, so we recognize that you're our hope. Lord, we recognize that, Lord, you are our hope for eternity. Lord, without you, we are condemned to, to hell and to everlasting separation and punishment without Christ. So, Lord, we ask, God, that, Lord, as believers, we might hold to you as our hope. May we follow you. Lord, may we proclaim this hope to a lost and dying world that does not know you and the peace that comes in you, uh, with you and through you. Lord, we ask that you might stir in our hearts a, a, a desire, Lord, to live for your honor and your glory. Lord, may you raise up here at North Etowah, Lord, a, a congregation of people, Lord, that will faithfully continue to go forward as has been done in the past. But Lord, may we not look backwards, but may we look forward, Lord, to taking the gospel to our town, Lord, that they might understand and know the peace that is found in Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. We thank you that, God, you promised you'd never leave us or forsake us. And we thank you in your name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to preach for a few moments on this thought of, in Christ alone, our hope is found. Here we begin reading down in verse number 11. It says, therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands. And so Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus here, is dealing with this subject matter of circumcision. I understand that's not a popular subject to discuss in church, but the truth of the matter is, I believe that this has a lot to do with conversion, that unity, that is, uh, that, that uh, redemption that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, there was division among the church there, among the Jews and the Gentiles. And uh, Paul was trying to say, listen, the circumcision is not that of the flesh, but really the circumcision is that of the heart. In Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, it says, For he is not a Jew he is, who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. So Paul is not talking about a fleshly circumcision. Verse number 29 says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but of God. And so God is dealing, and Paul is dealing here, with that of the heart. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, in verse number 6, the Bible says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart, and the heart of your descendants, watch this, this is what it is, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And so it is a condition of the heart that loves God and to be separated according to his purpose. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 15, the Bible says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything 
but a new creation. And so what Paul is trying to say is, listen, he says, I want you to know that we are called, we are been brought together, not by circumcision of the flesh. There's no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles. And, and Paul, even in Romans, uh, begins to deal more with it and saying, listen, because I'm a Jew, I'm no better than anyone else. We all need the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ, uh, he is our hope of conversion, not of the flesh, but of the heart. And Jesus Christ, he is the one who makes a difference. Verse number 12 of Ephesians 2 says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Dealing with that peace that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there was a time when we were without Christ. We did not know him. We were having no hope, the Bible says, without God in this world. And I want you to know that in Jesus Christ, we have our hope. He is where our hope is found. It is Jesus Christ that has the ability and he is the one who has redeemed us to himself. We are bought, we are not our own, but we are, the Bible says, but we are bought with a price. Jesus Christ has redeemed us, and, and to those who have come and, and surrendered themselves to God, who have bowed down before him at Calvary and placed our faith in him, he is our hope of salvation. The Bible says, Paul says, we were alienated. We were aliens from the commonwealth. We were separated from fellowship with God because of our sin. But Jesus Christ was the one who came in and he broke down those barriers. And we'll look at it here in a minute. The Bible said that he tore down the wall, um, the wall, the wall of separation. And it was Jesus Christ who broke down those walls of sin that made a way for you and I to come to Christ. The truth is, we needed Jesus Christ, we, we needed hope, we needed God's forgiveness and mercy, but sin had separated us from Christ. And so Jesus Christ, he came in, his whole, and all of his godliness and being God in the flesh himself, he came and he made a way that through him we might have hope. And my only hope of salvation and your only hope of salvation is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to look down, as I mentioned a minute ago, verse number 14. The Bible says, For he himself is our peace, who hath made both one and has broken down that middle wall of separation. It's that wall of separation that separated us from God. What is that wall of separation? In Colossians chapter 1, verse number 20. The Bible says, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And so we find that Jesus Christ has made the way that we might be converted, that we might be brought into his fellowship. But part of that is that he might unify us once together uh, to begin with him. He says, the Bible says he has broke down that wall of separation that stood between us and God. Well, what is that wall of separation? 
If you have to go back to Genesis to really understand this. In Genesis, in the garden, man had perfect fellowship with God, did he not? And what transpired? I won't go back and teach you a lesson that you probably already know well, but in Genesis, we find that Adam and Eve, they took of the fruit of the tree that God had told them not to. They sinned against God, and that sin brought enmity between them and God and separated man from God. And so there was a wall built that kept man from having fellowship with God Almighty. And so Jesus Christ was the one who tore down that wall of separation. He was the one that came in and gave his life's blood on Calvary and shed his blood that through his blood, knowing that we'd be forgiven of our sins, we have been converted, we've been bought back, we've been redeemed. God has purchased us back to himself, but with that, we have restored unity with God the Father. We can have fellowship with him because of Jesus Christ. Now, our sins on this side of eternity, we are still living in the flesh, and I live in a sinful flesh. I hate the flesh. I wish I did not sin, but Paul said, the things that I wish I would do, I don't, and the things that I wish I, wish I didn't do, those are the things that I do, and we battle the flesh in our mind. And so on this side of eternity, we are living in a fallen body, a fallen world, and we still live in a sin-filled world. And so how can we, who are sinful and sinners, have fellowship with God? I can have fellowship with God, not because I am worthy of it or because I have earned that, but rather because Jesus Christ has covered my sins in his blood. And when God looks upon me, he cannot look upon sin and unrighteousness, but when he sees me, he does not see my sin, but rather he sees the blood of Jesus Christ which is perfect and without sin. And Christ has been the one through his blood that tore down that wall of separation and it made it so that you and I can have fellowship with God. Prayer, reading the word of God, having fellowship with him, that is made possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our hope. He's our hope. I'm glad that I do not have to wait once a year for a priest to enter into the tabernacle or the temple and sacrifice a sheep or a, or a, a bull or some animal to make uh, payments for my sin or to go to God as an intercessor on my behalf, but rather I can go directly to God because Jesus Christ has tore down that wall of separation. And so we find that on Jesus Christ, our hope is found, the hope of our conversion, but also our unity. Not only of our unity between us and God, but the truth is uh, our unity among one another. We can have fellowship one with another because of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul was writing to the church here, and there were Jews and Gentiles, and they had different backgrounds, different, uh, different lifestyles, different uh, culture, different worldviews, different foods they ate. Everything about the Jews and Gentiles were completely different. There was animosity. There was fighting among them. And Paul was saying, listen, whether of the circumcision or the uncircumcision, it doesn't matter. What matters is hearts that are tuned and look towards God. And so how can we have a church of fellowship and unity when we come from different backgrounds, different stages of life, uh, different stories, but we have that unity together through Jesus Christ. He is our hope. 
the hope of our conversion, but also the hope of our unity. But then thirdly, I want to look at he was the hope and that he is our cornerstone. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. Verse number 20 says, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows to a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you also are being built together. Watch this. For a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Jesus Christ is our foundation, and he must be the foundation, the cornerstone upon which the church is built. I was able to go to Israel here a couple years ago, and I would love, I would love to be able to take some of our church to, uh, to Israel uh, here uh, possibly next year. We're looking at trying to make that available if anyone that would want to go. And, uh, but when we were there, I was able to go into underground Israel, into the tunnels below the Temple Mount. And as you go into the tunnels below the Temple Mount, you can see the foundations of the, the original temple. And as you go through, they have this one stone. It's one of the cornerstones of that. And, and this, rock, this stone, it's one stone. And I, memory, I believe it was 12 foot tall, 14 foot thick, and 40 foot long. A massive stone that for all intents and purposes should be unmovable. It is a foundation that you can build upon that you don't have to worry about. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He is that foundation with which we can build, that we can have assurance that it's unmovable. It's not going to be washed away with the storms of life. It is that thing with which we can anchor our hope and our church and our lives upon is Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4. The Bible says, Coming to him as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Luke 20, 17 says, Then he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And of course, we know that that was Jesus Christ. He was rejected of men. He was despised uh, and rejected. And yet it was him who is God in the flesh who became the chief cornerstone for the church. That is the church, his bride, but that also is you and I. Jesus Christ is to be the cornerstone of our life. Everything that we do must be anchored upon the Lord Jesus Christ. That means as a church, but that also means your personal life, your personal home. It must be built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He's it. 
that does not happen by accident, that does not happen by mistake, that happens intentionally when God's people say, listen, I'm going to build my home, my family, my life, I'm going to build it upon Jesus Christ and his word. It does not matter how young you are or how old you are, if you're the youngest present or the most senior present, is Jesus Christ the foundation of your life? Do you read his word? Do you talk to him? Do you build your life upon him? Is he more than just part of your culture? And listen, I understand we're here in the middle of the Bible Belt, and religion and church is, is cultural as much as it is anything for a lot of people, but that's where we went wrong. Jesus Christ is not just part of a southern culture. He must be the foundation of our life. Is he your foundation? 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We are the temple of God, but that temple must be built upon the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. John chapter 17 Verses 20 through 26, the Bible says, I do not pray for these alone, this is Jesus Christ praying, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, <clears throat> that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you give me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world, O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you. These have known that you sent me. Now I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He must be in us. We must build our lives upon him wholly, completely, that he is our anchor. <clears throat> Say, preacher, my life is built upon Jesus Christ. I hope so. Because you mark it down, one day the storm will come. The wind will blow, the rain will fall, and in that moment, you will find out what your foundation is made of. And if it's anything besides Jesus Christ, your house will crumble. So Jesus Christ must be our foundation. That goes through our lives, our homes. That also goes for our church. North Etowah Baptist Church must be built 
upon Jesus Christ. Everything we do must be for, for Him. That He's glorified. Years ago, I heard a preacher say that if the Holy Spirit departed from most churches, 90% of our ministries would continue with no change or effect. I don't know how accurate that statement is, but it's probably more accurate than we would care to admit. Are we doing just because we've always done? Or are we doing because Jesus Christ is in it? Jesus Christ must be our anchor. He must be our foundation. Everything we do must be for a purpose that Jesus Christ might be glorified and edified that this world might come to not see us or who we are, but they might see Jesus Christ and who he is. It's not about seeing you. It's not about seeing me or the preacher. Had the conversation with my girls this morning, and we talked to them on the way to church. And I said, "Girls, when we get to church this morning, y'all better behave." I said during the music. I said sometimes during the singing, y'all like to cut up and play and get a little loud. I said, "People don't come to church to see you, and they don't come to the church to see me, the preacher." But they better see Jesus. The truth is, many times, we kind of forget what it's all about. It's not about me. It's not about my ministry or what I do. It's about Jesus Christ, that he must be glorified. Acts 4.12 says, Nor is there salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby, which by we must be saved. Jesus Christ is it. He is our hope. He must be our anchor. My hope is built on Jesus Christ. Is yours tonight? What is your life built upon? What is our church built upon? I believe there comes a time where we have to, just as spring comes along and you like to do spring cleaning in your house and do a good detail cleaning, I believe every church needs to do that as well. And there are times we have to step back and do some spring cleaning in the church and say, Lord, would you reveal to us what we're doing? God, is what we're doing, is it for your glory? God, what we're doing, is it for your sake? Are we living for you to be glorified? God, are you the purpose? Lord, what are our motives? God, Search my heart, as the psalmist said, search my heart, O Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me. Sometimes we need to step back and say, God, is this what you want for me? And when Jesus Christ becomes the sinner, it does not matter if there's a hundred people here 
we're a thousand people here. If we're following him, it's not your job to build North Etowah Baptist Church. Did you know that? And neither is it mine. It's our duty to be faithful to God, to obey, to do what we're supposed to do. And this is his church. What we need to do is say, Lord, search my heart. Make me who you want me to be. Lord, let me follow your word. And God will trust and leave everything else in your hand. In Jesus Christ, he is our hope. I thank the Lord for it. Amen. He's a worthy hope. Let us pray, if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes tonight. I wonder if maybe for a few moments, as a church, as believers, should we pray and say, Lord, would you search my heart? Lord, am I really serving for you? Or am I serving for myself? Would we pray and say, Lord, would you have your way done in my life that you may be, get the honor and glory for it's Jesus Christ who is our hope. He is the one we must live for.